It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Monday, July 26th, 2021. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Sitka reported at least 14 more coronavirus cases over the weekend and three more hospitalizations. That's according to information available on the city's COVID dashboard as of late Sunday. The cases range in age from children under 10 to patients in their 50s. Four of the cases are non-residents, and all were experiencing symptoms when they received testing. Contact tracing is still in progress for all of the cases. With the number of cases, active cases in the mid-200s, Sitka remains in high alert. On Friday, the city published an expanded COVID mitigation guide that gives guidance based on the city's alert level and vaccination status, and revised recommendations for travel. In high alert, local health officials recommend masking and social distancing, regardless of vaccination status. The recommendations still suggest that restaurants and bars reduce capacity to 50% during high alert, and COVID testing is strongly recommended for all travelers. A wave of coronavirus infections in the small Prince William Sound community of Cordova has temporarily shut down a seafood processing plant and led to a mask mandate for city workers. City manager Helen Howarth says the virus took hold in Cordova and spread fast, infecting residents as well as dozens of workers at Camtu's Alaska Wild Seafoods. So COVID got brought into our community by a resident, and that resident wasn't as careful in their interactions with other community members, and pretty soon we had an outbreak on our hands. It's the worst outbreak Cordova has yet experienced. Howarth says the city believes the outbreak did not begin at Alaska Wild Seafoods, but staff there contracted COVID in the community, and then it spread. And it spread like wildfire. It was not something that we could contain quickly. Um, even identify quickly. So all of a sudden we had 70 plus cases and the numbers were going up and, and fast. The COVID spike in Cordova comes as much of Alaska experiences a sharp rise in coronavirus cases, including in southeast Alaska, where Sitka is also in the middle of its worst outbreak of the pandemic yet. Health officials say the latest wave of infections is mostly driven by the highly contagious Delta variant infecting unvaccinated people. In Cordova, Howarth says the outbreak is almost exclusively among people who have chosen not to get vaccinated or not to get fully vaccinated. She says while many seafood producers in town require all workers to be vaccinated, Alaska Wild Seafoods just strongly encourages it. There were members of their plant, staff members, who were unvaccinated, and that's the problem. We have several seafood processes here that are requiring vaccination, 100% vaccination, and they are not having problems Alaska Wild Seafoods did not respond to requests for comment on Friday, but the CEO told the Anchorage Daily News that 35 of the plant's 45 employees are fully vaccinated. And just one worker who tested positive sought medical care. The company has temporarily shut down as employees are in isolation and quarantine, forcing it to skip the salmon fishing opener this week. Despite the relatively high number of COVID-19 cases in vaccinated people in Sitka during the current outbreak, the effectiveness of the vaccines remains very strong. In fact, epidemiologists don't really know how long the new vaccines last. It could be months or even years. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. 
Dr. Joe McLaughlin is the head of the Alaska section of epidemiology. He's got his eye on the state's epi curve, which is basically a bar graph of how many new infections are occurring in the state every day. Right now, near the end of July, the epi curve looks a lot like last November, rising steeply, and it's troubling. Back in November uh, of 2020, you know, everybody pretty much was doing non-pharmaceutical interventions, um, masking, social distancing, Uh, avoiding crowds, things like that. And now you don't see that happening so much. And now we've got a different variant that is circulating. We've got the Delta variant that is the predominant strain uh, that's circulating in Alaska. The flip side, McLaughlin goes on to add, is that Alaska now has a lot of vaccinated people. So does that mean that the vaccines aren't working as well as predicted or that they're wearing off or waning? Not at all. McLaughlin says there's growing evidence that the vaccines perform better than hoped. Fortunately, the data that we've seen have all looked very good. Um, in other words, people who have been fully vaccinated have remained, have continued to have high antibody uh, titers against COVID. Um, but this is something that we are all watching closely as uh, epidemiologists, healthcare providers, and uh, vaccinologists across the, the nation and globe. Is you know, at some point, you are going to see waning immunity. The question is when. Is it going to be within a year, or is it going to be you know several years? And we just don't know the answer to that question yet. Based on data from Western Europe, where the Delta variant arrived earlier, McLaughlin doesn't think Alaska's current outbreak will top out for a while, but he's not sure. All the variables in play are behavior, vaccine hesitancy, new variants, make what's happening now quite different from what happened in November even though the epi curve looks about the same. It's very difficult to make predictions. It's been very difficult throughout this pandemic, and certainly uh, none of us have a crystal ball on how this is going to play out. But what we do know is that the vaccines that we have in the United States are all highly effective against uh, preventing all of the strains of uh, COVID, including the Delta variant. Other early evidence being tracked by the state indicates that the mRNA vaccines developed to fight COVID-19 last longer than traditional influenza vaccines, which are administered every year. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. The Shimshian language is endangered, with just a handful of fluent speakers in the U.S. But people in Ketchikan interested in adding to that number can take a class for free this summer. And they even get to sit around a campfire while doing it. KRBD's Molly Lubers reports. I like to practice with a Shemaliyak word for canoe. That was Terry Burr teaching Shemaliyak. Rain or shine, she's meeting with students every Tuesday and Thursday this summer to spread knowledge about the Simshian language and culture. Burr keeps the atmosphere fun, with her animated storytelling and teaching prompting giggles. That informality is intentional, says Burr. Sponsored by Ketchikan Indian Community, the class is free to the public, and you don't need to be a tribal member to join. For the survival of our language, we need everyone in Ketchikan to care about our indigenous languages. We invite the entire community to participate and be language warriors with us. This class is part of a larger effort to save Shemaliyach, she says. A long history of discrimination against Simshian people and their language 
has caused the number of speakers to rapidly fall. Though Burr explains this, she says she doesn't want to be discouraging. What a gift, she tells the class, for them to be learning now. The elders who were stubborn and managed to save language, managed to keep on preserving stories and to still practice, were very courageous. Today, Burr says only four people are fluent in the U.S. That makes classes like hers, where people can come to connect and be joyful, that much more important, she says. My greatest goal here is that people feel a sense of belonging. We need to get out and see each other and, uh, and care about and reach out to each other. To language learner Sonia Clipper, being in community with other Shemaliyah speakers means a lot. She's proud of both her Raven Simshian and her Haida heritage and says that she was glad to connect with everyone there. These are people who their parents and grandparents knew my parents and grandparents and they all shared the same land together and they ate the same foods together and in Ketchikan they walked the same trails together. And it feels good, Clippard says, to be among people who truly love and care about your learning. Burr says that's what the class is all about. And as she constructed her lesson plans, she says she remembers what her elders taught her. To not treat Shemaliyah separate from Simshin culture. So when she teaches, she starts with history. The Adao is the ancient true tellings. In the Adao, many magical things happen. So the, what was the very first Adao? Burr says she hopes many of the language learners will become teachers someday and that they'll pass on not just the language, but Simshian history too. One of those language learners is Rita Blandolf. She's Simshian, Haida, and Yupik, but says she wasn't really allowed to grow up in her culture. People act like it happened a long time ago, and I just turned 40 and I'm still, I get nervous sometimes just to even try to do anything cultural. So <laughs> it's kind of like saying I'm still here, willing to learn. Burr and other language learners will meet through mid-August, but she says she hopes students continue to speak the language and feel it resonate long after the class is over. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Molly Lubers. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.